0: We teach this material to be clear, so that we don't forget.
1: Forget what? I must have forgotten.
2: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. Nobody. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me to the right, here I am stuck in middle with you Here I am From
1: Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is The Bradcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Also in California In Red Bluff and Redding On KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN And Eureka's KGOE Up in Oregon on the Central Coast On KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO Eugene's KEPW Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New oh, they're going to get a lot of snow in New York. Anyway, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire is going to get hit too, I think, on WNHN. Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, and Seattle on KODX. Jamesville, Wisconsin's WADR Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF And yes, we stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio Radio for Humans, FYI Nation NicoleSandler.com Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio and Detour Talk amongst other fine affiliates and yes, your favorite podcast sites Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, and muckraker. An all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Okay, Desi Doyen. Yeah. Are you ready for your pop quiz?
0: <laughs> okay, sure. I
1: didn't tell you there was going to be one. No,
0: you did not. But
1: And by the way, there is no <laughs> way that you will get this number right. So okay, don't, good. So don't feel bad. <laughs> All right. But I am just curious what your guess might be here on a scale of uh, from zero to 100. With zero being the most corrupt and 100 being the least corrupt, where do you think the US ranks? uh, Actually, forget zero to 100 as far as how they're, it's 180 countries.
0: Uh huh.
1: How high or low Uh do you think the US ranks in this list? of corrupt countries with number one being the least corrupt
0: oh okay got that? so the most corrupt is the highest number right I didn't make I, up
1: the, the, got, the way this it. math works but there yeah. we go so the, um,
0: I would say that the US probably falls in the third top third of the most corrupt countries myself
1: the top third now you're gonna make me do math well, well yeah. that would be like uh, 150, uh, in
0: the top, 150 one, uh, forty, uh, somewhere around out there, of 180 uh, okay, yeah, number I Number 1
1: being the least corrupt, least most corrupt. Yeah, I corrupt. think uh, to
0: me it yeah. feels like the United States is increasingly corrupt. So, yes, I would I would rank us high among other corrupt countries. Perhaps not as corrupt as a place like uh, Russia, but yeah, pretty high.
1: Okay. I'm not actually sure what number there is there, but that's okay. I told you you didn't have to get it uh you didn't have to get it right. As it turns out, the US ranks as the 27th Least corrupt nation in the world. Well ahead, uh, at least as, as far as least corruption goes, of adversaries, like you mentioned, Russia and North Korea, but behind allies like France, Norway, Japan. That, according to an annual list released this week by Transparency International. The organization measures 180 countries and territories in its Corruption Perceptions Index, Hmm. or CPI. So
0: it's the perceptions, though, not necessarily the reality.
1: Well, I guess so. I mean, there's no way to know whether... uh,
0: Perceptions match reality?
1: uh, Yeah, exactly. When it comes to corruption, in any event, nations are scored on a scale ranging from zero, meaning uh, the most corrupt, to 100, meaning they are very clean. In the C on the S- Corruption Perception Index, the CPI, and so in that list of eight one hundred and eighty countries, well, there are twenty six that are less corrupt than us. Make sense? Yes. For twenty twenty one, Transparency International gave the U.S. a score of sixty seven on the CPI. Falling from our recent high, meaning we were doing better, of 76 back in 2015. In other words, uh, we were less corrupt in 2015 than we are uh, than we were by 2021. Now, what happened in the U.S. between 2015 and 2021? Well, there's no way to know. It's just a mystery for the ages. Something must have happened that helped us become more corrupt during that period. Since
0: 2015. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
1: But factors uh, in its 2021 score include the January 6, 2021 insurrection at the U.S. Capitol and campaign finance laws about the U.S. uh, The researchers wrote the United States remains stuck at an all time low of 67 points. But. President Biden's administration has established corruption as a core national security concern. Last year, the U.S. Congress passed legislation requiring companies to provide information about their beneficial owners to a central bureau to be created in 2022. That uh, uh, that database, I guess this measure, they say, could significantly enhance the U.S. authorities ability to detect and investigate financial crimes. Even so, they note the country's lack of progress on the CPI can be explained by the persistent attacks against free and fair elections culminating in a violent assault on the U.S. Capitol and an increasingly opaque campaign finance system. The U.S. first dropped to a score of 67 in uh, in 2020, marking its lowest ever recorded. By the way, Chile also has a score of 67 and they are tied with the U.S. for the number 27 spot in this year's report. So, hey, we are no more corrupt than Chile.
0: <laughs> so that's there's that.
1: that's something just above us as less corrupt than the US is Bhutan, United Arab Emirates, Estonia, Uruguay. They are all less corrupt than the US. Other nations with Uh, Higher or uh, less corrupt scores include the United Kingdom, Hong Kong. Topping the list, tied for first place as far as least corrupt, uh, with a score of 88, are Denmark, Finland and New Zealand. At the bottom are countries like North Korea, Iran, China and Russia. I, I went to the Transparency International website to get a better idea of what they regard as corruption for use in their index. And they describe corruption can take many forms and can include behaviors like public servants demanding or taking money or favors in exchange for services, politicians misusing public money or granting public jobs or contracts to their sponsors, friends and families, corporations bribing officials to get lucrative deals. Corruption, they note, can happen anywhere, including in business, government, the courts, the media... And in civil society, Uh, which while corruption, I think, will, uh, as it almost always uh, almost always does find its way through most of the stories that I want to try to get to today I want to focus on that media corruption bit for a second here in my next story and this is known this is not the wingnut media you know that only people who still believe in you know that pro wrestling is real that you know there people who follow Fox News in other words this is not about Fox News. They have been, you know, ginning up rage and totally phony controversy over Joe Biden recently, promising uh, during his presidential campaign to name a black woman to the Supreme Court, since there have never been any on the Supreme Court. Just exactly as Fox News God and Emperor Ronald Reagan did when, during his presidential campaign, he promised to name the first woman to the high court at the time, since there had. Never been any there either. So, uh, no, we're not talking about that kind of obvious media corruption. I mean corruption in non-wingnut news uh, sites, like one of my favorite news sources, in truth, AP. They're one of my favorites because they tend to simply report the facts in a clear and simple way that I can then share with you uh, and, you know, add context to and so forth. So on that note, is This next story, getting enough attention in the media that you follow today, is it getting as much attention, for example, as the recent stories about high inflation that have ignored stuff like record low unemployment and rising wages for workers? Because while I received an iPhone alert about this from AP, that's good. But about an hour later, I was unable to find it anywhere on the front page at apnews.com, which carries dozens of other supposedly top stories of the day, but this one was nowhere to be found. But if you dig down, and I only knew to do that because I had received their alert earlier in the day, if you dig down, you do a search, you might find it. If you uh, missed the original two minute splash on this story before it was buried, Uh, by stories that I guess AP found to be more important, like an NFL quarterback who was announcing his retirement today or something. There is this. The U.S. economy grew last year at the fastest pace since Ronald Reagan's presidency, bouncing back with resilience from 2020's Uh, devastating coronavirus recession. The nation's gross domestic product, which is its total output of goods and services, expanded 5.7 percent in 2021. It was the strongest calendar year growth since 1984. But while GDP growth of 5.7 percent over the past year, the best in nearly 40 years is certainly impressive, and one would think front-page news, AP. The actual news was potentially even better than that. The economy ended the year in its fourth quarter by growing at an unexpectedly brisk 6.9% annual pace, almost 7% annualized if if uh, from october through december in other words if the gross growth rate of the fourth quarter continued for a year the gdp increase would not be a 40-year record of 5.7 percent as it was but it would actually be almost seven percent growth as the Commerce Department reported on Thursday. Now, do you suppose there will be as many stories about Joe Biden's booming economy as there have been regarding post-pandemic inflation? When we turn on the Sunday shows over the weekend? Hell no. You don't think there's going to be a lot no, of questions I about that? There
0: doesn't seem to be a whole lot of coverage of the Biden economic boom at all.
1: They, you know, they have a lot of Republicans on those shows. Do they ask them, uh, well, what is your party planning to do about Joe Biden's booming economy? How are you going to confront that this November? Now, just by way of reminder of the way that Democratic administrations are covered differently than Republican administrations by the media, including the critical Associated Press, which is picked up and carried by hundreds, if not thousands, of other news outlets. Around the world. Uh, correct. Uh, listener Vicki D. recently reminded me via email, though I think we've reported uh, on this previously. But by way of contrast, when the media come out with their reports On monthly new job numbers, for example. So back in uh, February of 2018, AP reported. Uh, about the January numbers that year in 2018. Who was president at the time? I think that was uh, a guy.
0: That's a former guy.
1: Yeah. So uh, a Republican, uh, AP's headline, U.S. employers added a robust 200,000 jobs in January. Well, that's good. 200,000 jobs in one month. Contrast that with last month, December of 2021, I think we had a Democrat in the White House by then, and AP writes US employers added a sluggish 210,000 jobs in November. What's the difference? Well, there was a Republican in the White House one year, there's a Democrat the other. Anyway, much of the uh, AP story today goes on to explain that uh, never mind these these numbers about the fastest growth in uh, GDP since Ronald Reagan. Forecasters are now downgrading their outlook for the coming year. But if you read to the way to the very end of the story, AP notes super low interest rates, huge infusions of government aid, including fourteen hundred dollar checks to most households. Thanks to Joe Biden and the Democrats and not one single Republican in Congress who voted for that in his one point nine trillion dollar American rescue plan. And eventually the widespread rollout of vaccines. Also, thanks to Joe Biden and the Democrats and not one single Republican who voted for that in Joe Biden's American rescue plan. Those things revived the economy, they note. Oh, you're welcome, America. Many consumers regained the confidence and financial wherewithal to go out and spend again. Sounds like a success story to me, but what do I know? The resurgence in demand was so robust, AP notes, in fact... Yeah, it was a 7.9% surge in consumer spending and a 9.5% increase in private investment. It was so robust that it caught businesses off guard. Many struggled to acquire enough supplies and workers to meet a swift increase in customer orders. Well, that's obviously Joe Biden's fault. The economy was too good. Which, of course by the way, leads to both inflation and supply chain issues when there's not enough stuff available to meet a booming consumer demand. And it also means that a shortage of workers results in wages going up for workers.
0: Oh, we can't have that.
1: Yeah. Impeach. What a failure of a president. AP notes factories, ports and freight yards were overwhelmed. Yes, thanks to the booming economy and supply chains became ensnarled, causing inflation to accelerate. Well, you know, impeach. But of course, AP ends their report. Very last paragraph saying late last year, the economy began to show signs of fatigue. Fatigue. For those of you tracking uh, at home late last year was the fourth quarter when gdp rose at an annualized 40-year record of 6.9 almost 7% and also according to the commerce department uh, notes ap for the final 3 months of 2021 consumer spending rose at a more muted 3.3 annual pace however private investment skyrocketed to uh, skyrocketed 32% higher boosted by a surge in business inventories as companies stocked up to meet higher customer demand. Wow, sounds fatiguing. No wonder Joe Biden's approval ratings are so low right now. So, uh, yes, what else does corruption lead to? Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's corruption by AP, but I'm just putting it out there. In any event, this way madness lies, and so does fascism and autocracy if we don't pay much closer attention, if we let the media sort of decide what we should think of, you know, a president or a party instead of letting the actual facts help us decide. Of course, if you can't find those facts, if they're buried way down uh, the bottom of AP, if you have to go searching for them, you don't even know what to look for. Well, that's what happens. Bingo. A... Uh, Republican candidate for governor in Virginia runs on a wholly invented controversy created by Fox News. This is part of the corruption. This is where all of this goes. That candidate runs uh, on this fake controversy regarding the pretend notion that schools are teaching white children to hate themselves for being racist under the pretend notion that those poor kids are being taught something called critical race theory. Which they're not. A previously obscure theory taught in some colleges, perhaps, regarding how much of America's legal system and economic system and law system is is built on systemic racism in, in America, which, of course, it is. But until right-wingers, who'd rather talk about anything other than their former president trying to overthrow American democracy to steal a presidential election until they decided they needed to be fake outraged about all of this, the entire concept was largely unknown to most of America, including its children who are not, though arguably should be, taught about these things. Anyway, that Republican candidate for governor in Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, He ended up winning his election last November, largely based on this non-traversy. And so now he's making good on it. And the results today are actually predictably pretty hilarious, at least in my opinion. And by the way, ridicule really is an excellent and effective form of anti autocracy activism, at least in my opinion. Uh, And in this case, even you can join in on this today, uh, though I should say I strongly, strongly recommend against it. During an interview with a right wing radio host earlier this week, Youngkin announced a new tip line that his administration has set up asking parents to notify the state government. With reports of public teachers, quote, behaving objectionably. In other words, talking about race and systemic racism in the classroom. Tell on them. Snitch on them if you hear about it.
0: Report them.
1: The governor said we are asking for folks to send us reports and observations that they uh, that they have that will help us be aware of things like privilege bingo. I don't even know. Do you know what privilege bingo what he's talking about here?
0: No, I don't.
1: I I guess I don't watch enough Fox to even know what that is. Be aware of their children being denied their rights that parents have in Virginia, the right to not be taught about systemic racism, I guess. I'm not sure what this means. And we're going to make sure we catalog it all, said Governor Youngkin. This gives us a great insight into what's happening at a school level, and that gives us further ability to make sure we are rooting it out. I'm glad that these right wing snowflakes have someone to turn to when they when they need a safe space to prevent their tender ears from hearing about such things. A bunch of red states have apparently now passed similar laws in in the last year, seizing on these uh, phony beliefs that teaching about racism in America is somehow harmful to students, specifically to white students. For example, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, another Republican, is uh, taking all of this several steps further. He's backing actual legislation that would outlaw workplace trainings or conversations, conversations that could make white employees feel, quote, discomfort. Seriously, that's what the measure says, because these snowflakes need safe spaces. Anyways, Youngkin's tip line was uh, that he announced was as as predictable as the hilarious backlash to it. After the announcement about this tip line, a Virginia lawyer and former Democratic congressional candidate, Kasim Rashid, tweeted out this uh, tweeted out the email address for the state teachers snitch hotline. As follows, he tweeted, GOP Virginia governor just set up a tip line to report schools and teachers who teach about racism. Email helpeducation@governor.virginia.gov." Now, I hope you didn't write that down, but it's helpeducation@governor.virginia.gov. Rashid went on to say, whatever you do, don't make a mockery of this. With fake tips. That would be a terrible thing to do. Retweet this so everyone knows not to send fake tips to help education at governor.virginia.gov. Now, apparently, uh, so many people retweeted that tweet that Rashid tweeted again, uh, sharing some of the many pretty hilarious fake tips that had been sent. Uh, into that email tip line to say, You guys, I explicitly said to not send fake racism tips to Education at governor.virginia.gov, and in response, you all send this, pictured below. And he, he includes, uh, for example, uh, one of the emails sent to Education at governor.virginia.gov said, I have heard reports that schools in Virginia are teaching Arabic numerals I fear that we've become so focused on exposing critical race theory in public education we've forgotten all about creeping Sharia law please address this matter immediately and uh, Rashid added so I repeat do not use these as a guide on how to send fake racism tips directly to the Virginia governor's office thank you (sighs) which is kind of hilarious. Yes. And I certainly hope nobody will uh, send anything to help education at governor.virginia.gov if it is a fake tip.
0: Yes, we wouldn't want that. No,
1: no, we would not want that, uh, even though it would be hilarious if anyone did that. But in fact, there is a much darker side. Even as funny as that is, there's a darker side, a much darker side to all of this, and it is very real. Now yesterday on this uh, program I spoke with Amanda Littman of runforsomething.net about the importance of people running for local office where they live, like election boards and city councils and yes, school boards, as she noted, how much important stuff that we all have to you know deal with every day stuff that is actually decided at the local level by locally elected officials which her organization has been helping thousands of them thousands of progressive Americans across the country to run for those offices and win for free so you can and should check them out at runforsomething.net or you can go to their tool runforwhat.net to find out what positions need to be filled on the ballot in your local area. Anyway, ironically enough, uh, today happens to be International Holocaust Remembrance Day, and which, because I am Jewish, I am allowed to make the joke that I always forget about (laughs) International Holocaust (laughs) Remembrance Day. Desi, you're not Jewish. Stop laughing. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, all of this becomes much less funny uh, when, uh, on uh, Wednesday night, the McMinn County School Board in Tennessee voted to ban *Mouse*, the Pulitzer Prize-winning graphic novel about the Holocaust, to ban that from the uh, the, the the McMinn County School's eighth-grade curriculum. And I must say, have have you ever read uh, Mouse? I Desen? have.
0: It is it is fantastic.
1: I think it's the uh, only graphic novel uh, that I, I think I've ever actually read from start to finish. And there was a sequel that I similarly read from cover to cover years ago now. Both of the books are just fantastic. And in truth, you know, being Jewish, being taught about the Holocaust all of my life, I gotta say. That I think Mouse was the most interesting, educational, immersive, touching, uh, terrifying at times. By the way, very, very funny, uh, funny treatment of this uh, horrible moment in world history that that I've you know ever experienced. As it regards the author Art Spiegelman's relationship to his father and mother, who were both Holocaust survivors, and his mother's eventual suicide. Now, uh, as the school board in McMinn County, Tennessee was uh, debating all of this, uh, one of the school board members, a guy by the name of Tony Allman, uh, according to the minutes of this insane school board meeting uh, this past week, said, quote, it shows, talking about the book, a mouse, graphic novel, quote, it shows people hanging. It shows them killing kids. Why does the educational system promote this kind of stuff? It is not wise or healthy, he said. Well, I don't think they're promoting this stuff. And I'm guessing Alman has not actually read the book if he thinks that it is promoting this stuff. He went on to say it is not wise or healthy being in the schools, educators and stuff. We don't need to enable or somewhat promote this stuff, he said, according to the Meeting Minutes. Julie Gooden, an assistant principal, pushed back on this. Gooden pointed to her past experience as a history teacher, explaining that there is, quote, nothing pretty about the Holocaust and that she views Spiegelman's book as a, quote, great way to depict a horrific time in history. And she is very right. I was so impressed with it at the time that I actually uh, bought additional copies and sent uh, copies of both of the both mouse and its sequel to my parents, Back when I first read it years and years ago, if you have not read it, I would strongly recommend that you do. It's really good. It's really interesting, entertaining, as I said, terrifying and funny.
0: Very effective.
1: Uh, Yes, in every way. And yes, it is perfectly appropriate for eighth graders. Now, I suppose there is, you know, some sort of amusing-ish irony in banning a book about Nazis who were famous for book banning. Uh, Though I suppose that might have gone right over the heads of the McMinn County School Board when they voted 10 to 0 this week to ban the book from the curriculum because apparently there are some occasionally naughty words in it that might break those tender 8th grade uh, 8th graders ears or something and a small drawing of art of, uh, of, of Spiegelman's mother after she committed suicide. Spiegelman told CNBC that he is, quote, kind of baffled by the vote to bar his book, which he wasn't aware of until a blog post describing the ban uh, began circulating on Twitter this week, a day before Holocaust Remembrance Day. Spiegelman decried the school board's vote to CNBC as Orwellian and said he suspected the members' complaints about some profanity is cover for discomfort with what is at the heart of the book the dark experiences of Jewish people in Nazi concentration camps and the murder of Jews by Nazis. Spiegelman was asked about all of this on CNN last night.
0: Tennessee school board has banned the critically acclaimed graphic novel, Mouse. It is a true story about the horrors of the Holocaust by Art Spiegelman, and it depicts Jews as mice and Nazis as cats. We teach this material to be clear so that we don't forget. Joining us now is the Pulitzer Prize-winning graphic novelist who wrote *Mouse*, Art Spiegelman. Um, Art, how are you reacting to this?
2: Um, Well, I've moved past uh, total bafflement to trying to be tolerant of uh, people who may possibly not be Nazis, maybe, uh, because having read the transcript of the uh, school board meeting, the problem is sort of bigger and stupider than that. They really genuinely focused, listening to this or reading this uh, 20-minute document, they're totally focused on some bad words that are in the book. Like, like, damn it, I can't believe that (laughs) the word damn would get the book jettisoned out of school on its own, but that's really where the the genuine focus seemed to be, it wasn't really like, there wasn't any hint of, uh, well, you know, I think the author might be Jewish or something. We don't want to have Jewish books in our schools or something. It's not like that, exactly, at least. Um, so I'm trying to, like, wrap my brain around it. It certainly hijacked uh, that brain sometime around 7.30 last night and hasn't let go since.
0: Yeah, I can understand
1: why it's hard to wrap your brain around it. Art, and First of all, it's an honor to meet you, just a giant fan of your work, had a profound impact on me. Their specific complaint was naughty language and nudity. To me,
2: I mean, you're talking about the Holocaust.
1: If your problem with discussions about the Holocaust are bad words and nudity, I'm just not sure you're getting the point.
2: (laughs) Um, I, I agree, which is why I'm still trying to go, how did this exactly happen? But it's the nudity is specifically a small image that has uh, my uh, mother right after having slashed her wrists in a bathtub being found. So she, it's seen from overhead, and you can see it's, it's a tiny image. So you have to really like want to get your sexual kicks by, by projecting on it. It seems like a crazy place to get them. Um, so I, I think they're so myopic in their focus, and they're so afraid of... Um, um, what what's implied in having to uh, defend the decision to teach Mao's as part of the curriculum, that uh, it it led to this kind of daffily, myopic response. And is would be easy. I mean, the problem, of course, is that it has the breadth of um, uh, autocracy and fascism about it. Yes, it does.
1: Now, for the record... Um... The U.S. Holocaust Museum said in a statement posted to Twitter in response to all of this, quote, Mouse has played a vital role in educating about the Holocaust through sharing detailed and personal experiences of victims and survivors. Teaching about the Holocaust using books like Mouse can inspire students to think critically about the past and their own roles and responsibilities today. So, the U.S. Holocaust Museum has no problem uh, using that book to teach children about the Holocaust. But apparently, a 10 to 0 majority on the McMinn County School Board in Tennessee thinks otherwise. Uh, And as I say, at least for me, it was, uh, you know, it did help me to think critically about the past and my own role and responsibility today.
0: Yeah, I think that the. That what they are talking about from this school board is uh, nothing more than these kids would see on their phones anyway, every single day. And uh, I think it's kind of thin cover for what they're actually concerned about.
1: Uh, it was, to me, one of the most meaningful, you know, personal relationships beyond uh, seeing some of these, uh, you know, at the time when I was growing up, these elderly men with tattoos. yes. On their wrists at my uh, at my synagogue while I was growing up, uh, it was reading Mouse was one of the most meaningful personal relationships to the Holocaust that I think I've ever experienced, uh, and that is thanks to Art Spiegelman and Mouse. Hopefully, something good comes of this. I, I I hope that more people will are hearing about the book and will read it. It's at least twenty years old at this point. I think much older than that. Uh, so maybe many more people will, will will read it now than might have otherwise. But yes, as Spiegelman says, uh, you know, madness, autocracy and fascism. This way lies as our corruption becomes more and more endemic in our society. It now feels uh, with each passing day. So, yes, it's not just McMinn County, Tennessee, uh, but hopefully folks within the sound of my voice will realize that this is all very real. And, you know, maybe today might be a good day to consider running for something in your hometown, like the school board. More Bradcast is next. I'm Brad Friedman.
0: What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks.
1: Welcome back to your smooth jazz channel. The broadcast <laughs> with Brad Friedman. Who is that actually? That is been? Los Lobos. Los Lobos. All right. Very nice. Thank you very much. All right, a couple of odds and ends here. I've been I've been trying to get to this week. We discussed previously the hopefully good news uh, that the state Senate Democrats in Virginia are hanging united with their 21-19 majority. In the upper chamber of the state legislature in Virginia, uh, after very closely losing the majority in the state house and losing the governor's mansion to Republican Glenn Youngkin, hopefully the Democrats in the state Senate are hanging together to block Governor Youngkin's nomination of Donald Trump's corrupt former coal lobbyist and EPA chief, Andrew Wheeler, to be Virginia's top. Environmental uh, chief as the secretary of natural resources in the Commonwealth. Uh, have you heard anything more about that, Daz? Do we know if that vote has gone through one that way or another? That vote has not gone through okay. yet.
0: Uh, we know that Will Wheeler did testify uh, in front of the uh, the committee that uh-huh. would then be approving his nomination or not, and uh, he was definitely trying to rehabilitate his reputation. Too little success, I must say.
1: I noticed he grew a beard.
0: <laughs> A cunning disguise. Yes. Ex-
1: who is that guy? I don't recognize him. Let's have him as our secretary. He's not that corrupt co-lobbyist under Donald Trump who headed up the Environmental Protection Agency and gutted it. Anyway, this week, as uh, Democratic State Senator Jennifer McClellan uh, from Virginia noted on Twitter, they are the Democrats are also hanging together to protect voting rights in the Commonwealth. That's good news. She tweeted on Wednesday... Uh, The Virginia Senate Democrats just blocked bills to repeal the permanent absentee voter list. In other words, people who vote every year by absentee vote who don't have to ask for a ballot each year. The Republicans tried to repeal that. They blocked removing absentee ballot drop off locations, she says, drop boxes. And uh, they blocked narrowing the time frame for when absentee ballots Can be returned. All efforts, of course, by the Republicans there to make it harder to vote.
0: And to make sure that your vote just might not count if you don't happen to meet these very narrow requirements.
1: Senator McClellan said, We worked hard to expand access to the ballot in Virginia and we won't go back. Well, thank you, Senator. Hang in there that comes, of course, amid the still continuing madness from folks on the authoritarian right who are either tragically misinformed about the 2020 election or are willingly lying to their constituents about it. I don't know. Take your pick. The wingnut media is still working hard to keep their uh, viewers, their listeners, their readers uh, duped about all of this. And one of the top websites for that is headed up by the guy that we used to call, and frankly, we still might, except that his readership has, frankly, exploded since Trump's attempt to steal the 2020 election. Uh, We used to call Jim Hoft of the right-wing website, uh, propaganda website, Gateway Pundit, we used to call him the dumbest man on the Internet. But, of course, uh, he is dumb like a fox, and I mean that in all the ways that you might infer from that. And uh, because he's from St. Louis, Missouri, my old hometown at Gateway Pundit, I always feel like I have to apologize for him even existing. Sorry about that, rest of the world. Uh, you know, and often Hoffed guys like him are better left ignored. But you would be stunned. How many emails that I still receive from uh, from folks who are not wingnuts who link to his site as, you know, either evidence of some sort of fraud in 2020 or asking me or, you know, or they know better, but they don't know how to help rebut this nonsense coming from Jim Hoff. Well, happily today, USA did the uh, rebutting for us. Uh, The claim Wisconsin legislators voted to withdraw the state's 10 electoral votes for Joe Biden in the 2020 election. Now, this is not from last month or last year or 2020. This is from last night in USA Today. They write a proposal from a Wisconsin state legislator aimed at withdrawing the state's 2020 electoral votes as being distorted on social media and conservative news sites. Because apparently conservative is now a fine stand-in for right-wing authoritarian, and I guess the word news is a fine stand-in for propaganda anyway. This in an attempt to push baseless claims, they write, that the election was stolen from former President Donald Trump. Quote, Breaking Wisconsin Assembly votes to withdraw its 10 electors for Joe Biden in 2020 election, reads a January 26 Facebook post from the page Primetime Patriots. It accumulated hundreds of reactions. Arizona may be next, they wrote. A lot is happening behind the scenes, not a done deal with a lot of hurdles, but what a great start. Keep fighting. Similar versions of the claim went viral on Twitter and Facebook. Users circulated a January 25 article from, yes, the Gateway Pundit, headlined with huge all-capped letters and a whole bunch of asterisks. Huge breaking news, they wrote. Wisconsin Assembly votes to advance Rep. Ramthun's resolution to reclaim Wisconsin's electors for president and vice president that were certified under fraudulent purposes.
0: <sighs> that's
1: longer headline than even I write at Bradblog.com. <laughs>
0: that's hard.
1: Tell me about it. Anyway, it's nonsense, of course. Ignore it, however, at your peril. Among those who shared the article was MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell. He is, uh, as you may recall, facing a defamation lawsuit from Dominion Voting Systems. He has many times falsely claimed that Trump will be reinstated as president and that the election was stolen from him and that he has the proof that he just uh, has apparently failed to show anybody in the past year. But he's got the proof. Absolute proof, I think, is the way he describes it. In a January 26 Facebook post, Lindell wrote, quote, Pull down the election. Wisconsin could be first. A Republican Arizona gubernatorial candidate, Carrie Lake, shared the article on Twitter with the caption, quote, Arizona should be next. So you see, I would love to ignore this nonsense. I would love to ignore this dope Jim Hoft of Gateway Pundit. But when he writes something, it is picked up by you know, gubernatorial candidates for the state of Arizona
0: spreading disinformation.
1: So, I mean, do these people ever read anything beyond a headline to find out if something claimed by dumb, dopey Jim Hoft is actually real? Uh, Well, I think we know the answer, you know, which is why it makes it so easy to fool so many people so much of the time. Put some ridiculous headline out there, put it out on Twitter, put it out on Facebook And nobody bothers to read the actual article to find out if it's actually true or if they do read the article and it turns out to be Jim Hoff's article and it turns out to be him making up a whole bunch of crap. Does anybody bother to, you know, click farther to see if there's any truth to it? Rarely. As USA Today notes, uh, there was no vote at all. On removing Wisconsin state's uh, 10 electoral votes for President Joe Biden, as claimed, no resolution to that end advanced anywhere, they write. A lone Republican state rep. uh, In Wisconsin, introduced a resolution devoid of co-sponsors. He couldn't even get anyone else to sign on to it. That was referred to the Rules Committee which is a procedural move required by assembly rules when anyone introduces anything. And then it was rejected by assembly leaders that, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, when asked about his claim, Lindell provided no evidence. Such an action was actually moving forward. USA Today reached out to the Gateway Pundit. Uh, He did not respond.
0: Of course he didn't. It's a straight up lie.
1: But, yeah, uh, of course, propagandist and, and constantly wrong about every, everything in the world, Jim Hoft d- didn't even bother to reply, didn't even bother to defend it, either because he's so stupid or because he knows that he's wrong about everything and he doesn't care. Or both. The nonsense uh, stems from a uh, resolution. So there was actually something that happened here. One guy introduced a resolution on January 25th. Rep. Timothy Ramthun, a Republican, you'll be shocked to learn, in which he alleged that Wisconsin's electoral ballots were, quote, certified under fraudulent intent and purpose, unquote. Apparently, this guy Ramthun has falsely claimed that Trump won the state of Wisconsin in the 2020 presidential election. He's been doing this for the past year, despite the fact that there is zero evidence to support his claim. Other than Gateway Pundits Pundits, false (coughs) BS stories that are really, really widely read and shared, I have to note. Which is why I have to spend so much of this valuable time wasted rebutting this dope. Ramthun's proposal was then referred to the Rules Committee as required under the Assembly rules. But Republican Assembly Majority Leader Jim Steineke, who is chair of that committee, called the resolution itself illegal and, quote, plain unconstitutional. Good for him. As chair of the Rules Committee, there is zero chance I will advance this illegal resolution, Steinecke wrote in a January 25 tweet. He also disputed the Gateway Pundit's claim that a vote even took place. Of course, Biden won Wisconsin by more than 20,000 votes. And USA Today notes that a hand recount, audits, several lawsuits have all found Zero evidence of widespread voter fraud that would have affected the state's election outcome. Based on our research, they say we rate false the claim that Wisconsin legislators voted to withdraw the state's 10 electoral votes for Biden in the 2020 election. Just so you know, when that shows up on your Twitter feed or your Facebook feed or
0: your crazy uncle,
1: try to hit him back with some facts if you can. Because we got to, because that's where we are. Will this madness ever end? Well, um, not until we increase transparency, frankly, into our voting system, I'm afraid. But in Bradblog.com's now 19th year of pointing that out, gotta say, I'm getting kind of exhausted of having to do so. Anyway... All right. That's it. I'm running late. The the (laughs) other story, that's going to have to wait. Uh, So let's get uh, to a break and we will come back. The Green News Report is next. I'm Brad Friedman and you are listening to The Bradcast. Still celebrating our 18th birthday, our 18th anniversary at br- Bradblog.com. Thanking those of you who stopped by Bradblog.com slash donate. To help us stay on your public airwaves and to keep blogging at bradblog.com, compare that by way of what you will find at Jim Hoff's Gateway Pundit (laughs) and all of the ads that come out, all the pop-ups and all of the junk. You will just feel dirty if you go there even looking at the front page before you have ever read any of the content. Hopefully you don't feel that way when you go to bradblog.com. Where you are met with uh, important things that actually matter and are actually verifiable, like our latest Green News report.
0: It's very clear that the cost of inaction is far greater than the cost of taking action. New report finds staggering cost to achieve net zero emissions. Air pollution even more deadly than previously thought, new study finds. Plus,
1: those who love the Boundary Waters canoe area or depend on the northern Minnesota outdoors tourism economy are hailing this as a major victory.
0: Biden administration revokes two controversial mining leases in Minnesota. All of those
1: controversies and more straight ahead. From BradBlog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And
0: I'm Desi Doyen. Stand
1: by for six minutes of Independent Green News, politics, analysis, and snarky comment.
0: Now, if you've seen the film Don't Look Up, you'll know that one of the points it makes is that an obsession with money. Ultimately, well, no spoilers, but it doesn't end well for them.
1: Yeah, well, spoiler, it doesn't end well for us either. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, middle of winter and yet... Still time for fossil fuel disasters here in the U.S.
0: Yes, indeed. A new analysis of federal records show that the operator of a pipeline that ruptured a few weeks ago outside of New Orleans knew that the pipeline was severely corroded but delayed needed repairs for more than a year. Well,
1: what you gonna do?
0: The pipeline spilled more than 300,000 gallons of diesel fuel in an environmentally sensitive area near the Mississippi River Gulf outlet, killing thousands of fish and animals. Yeah,
1: well, money to be made, you know.
0: Air pollution is even worse than previously thought, according to the first study in the United States to document the deadly effects of even low levels of pollution. Researchers followed nearly 70 million Medicare recipients across the nation, finding that the deaths of more than 140,000 people could have been prevented between 2006 and 2016 if the EPA had set tighter standards for soot pollution. How many deaths? 143,000. Soot pollution is microscopic particles from smokestacks, auto exhaust, and more. The Biden EPA is now weighing whether to strengthen the soot standard, but the American Petroleum Institute opposes doing so, saying, quote, Existing standards are effectively designed to protect public health.
1: Effectively designed to kill 140,000 people unnecessarily, but sure, we take your point, American Petroleum Institute.
0: A different new study calculates that the costs of failure to act on climate change will far exceed the costs of action, and the transformation becomes even more expensive the longer action is delayed. The new analysis by McKinsey and Company finds that globally, the world needs to collectively spend about $9 trillion a year in order to reach net zero emissions by 2050 and avoid the most catastrophic climate impact. That's a 60% increase over current investment levels, and it sounds like a lot, but it's equivalent to only about 7% of household spending in 2020, or half of annual global corporate profits. The researchers did not include economic benefits from building clean infrastructure, jobs, or economic growth, or the losses avoided from air pollution and accelerating climate disasters. Here's Penn State University climate scientist Dr. Michael Mann on Sky News. Even given McKinsey's very conservative numbers, it's very clear that the cost of inaction is far greater than the cost of taking action and that's all the more reason to accelerate our efforts um, domestically um, here in the united states in europe and our efforts diplomatically. Some good news. The Biden administration on Wednesday canceled two copper and nickel mining leases held by a Chilean mining giant on the very doorstep of Minnesota's pristine Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness. So there's that. Interior Secretary Deb Holland concluded that the Trump administration skirted legal obligations when it renewed the leases in 2019. How
1: unlike them.
0: The mining company says it will challenge the decision.
1: Of course they will.
0: Big investments in Michigan. General Motors announced it is investing $7 billion to build four manufacturing facilities, including a new battery plant, and will overhaul an existing factory outside of Detroit to manufacture electric pickup trucks. GM says the projects will create about 4,000 jobs and help make the state a hub of EV development. Making America
1: great again.
0: Speaking of which, fast food giant KFC has (laughs) launched plant-based nuggets made from Beyond Meat— aftermarket tests in Atlanta last year sold out in just five hours. And McDonald's is rolling out a new McPlant burger, also made with Beyond Meat, beginning in the Dallas-Fort Worth and the San Francisco Bay areas. The companies say they're responding to consumer demands for plant-based options as Americans gradually reduce their meat consumption and it makes a difference. A new study from Tulane University calculates that swapping out just one daily serving of beef or another high-impact food for a similar but sustainable option, like chicken instead of beef, could reduce the planetary impact of our diets by more than 40%.
1: For much more on all of those stories and the ones we couldn't swallow today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planetwide on the facebooks and the twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman,
0: and I'm Desi Doyan. and
1: this has been your Green News Report. Just
0: eat it. Eat it. Just eat it. Eat it.
1: I'm sure uh, pretend chicken nuggets are delicious. (laughs) I I don't mean to disparage them in any way. And you said, as a matter of fact, the McDonald's did uh, very well with their Beyond Burger. Yeah, they're
0: selling out all over the place. Even in Texas? Yeah, everywhere. That they have them, they are selling out. So that's pretty cool
1: Mm, for, uh,
0: for the environment.
1: All right, there you go. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. We hope you made it worth your while in some fashion. Uh, if not, uh, your money back. Anyway, uh, stop by bradblog.com if you missed any portion of today's show. You can always download them all for free right there. And we do thank those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. Did you read Mouse? You'll let me know. You can also find me on the Twitters at, and the Facebooks at the Brad blog. I will see you there until we see you here next time I'm Brad Friedman good luck world